Um, last year we ended multiple six figures. This we're, this year we're projecting seven. The business that we're in didn't even exist when we were kids or when we were in college. It was like doctor, lawyer, botanist, biologist. Like you were like in the sciences or this just wasn't a career path. For Milo, I'm Brandon Hull and this is Freelance to Founder, where we tell the stories of entrepreneurs who've scaled their businesses to be much bigger than themselves. This is season six, episode four, and on today's episode, we featured Susie and Todd Bullock of Hey Grill Hey. In this show, you're going to get a huge helping of inspiration, and I'm unapologetically going to tell you, your mouth will water as well. Thanks for joining us. We'll learn more about how Susie kicked off what has become a major shift for the Bullock family financially, but equally so, how they raised their children. We'll dig in right after this initial break from one of the sponsors that make Freelance to Founder possible. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome to Hey Grill Hey. I'm Susie Bullock, and today I'm joined with a super extra special guest. This is Dan Phelps from learningtosmoke.com, and we are making a wicked spread for you today. Smoked reverse seared tri-tip and his famous smoked shrimp. For this episode of the show, we head north of Utah Lake into the city of Lehigh, Utah. Susie Bullock was a freelance food writer with one major client in particular that she did extensive work for. Todd, her husband, worked as a controller for a local health clinic, earning a great income. Life was very comfortable. But why be comfortable, right? Why not flip things on their head? Susie had thought to disrupt that direction on her own at some point, but that major client made it for her. And that's where we begin our story. Well, I got let go (laughs) from my freelancing gig. And that was a real pivotal moment for me because I had, people had asked me over the course of several years of working for other people, why don't you just start your own blog? Why don't you just start your own blog? And my sister and I actually did. We started like a DIY blog. She's very handy. Um, And I kind of knew a little bit about the back end of blogging. And so I was like, dude, let's do this. She had just had her third child. Her sister had four young ones, and their idea for a blog of their own kind of fizzled. They just didn't have the time for it. And I knew, like I was very familiar with how much time and effort was required to build your own website. Um, and and what went into managing the tech side on the back end and managing each social media channel and ways like I was I was intimately aware of what it would require. So I put it off for a really long time. Um, but getting fired was kind of that pivotal moment where it was okay. I either find another freelance gig or I really dive in. But despite that first effort fizzling out, in short order, Susie set out to build what is now 
Hey Grill Hey, a food blog. But before we dive into the how and the what, let's talk about the why with food blogging for a second. Isn't food blogging something people started 10 or 12 years ago? I have to tell you, before we started researching the Bullocks for the show, I kind of thought the window of opportunity for starting a food blog had passed. So their path to success was really fascinating to me. But I was really curious about their take on that notion of a window of opportunity closing. (laughs) I didn't even start my blog until after food blogs died. What are we doing? But here's the thing, right? Those initial 10 years ago trailblazers, like they kind of built the path. And back then there were very, 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 very limited means to monetize. And so they were shoveling out content, jumping up to millions of page views a month, but their monetization abilities were minimal, very minimal. Um, Selling ad space on their website was really hard. And a lot of people that were making money were hand coding systems that could bring ads in from the like ad bidding marketplace. Those were people that were building the systems that eventually I used to really monetize my site and do it very quickly. The few people that stuck with it and stuck around kind of built these systems that I use now. So I feel like I kind of just started with a leg up. Susie also points out that she didn't just start any food blog. She started a barbecue blog. See, there weren't and even aren't many today, or at least there weren't many like Susie's. You can build a food blog today and you can still do extremely well. And you'll get that in this episode. But a key early lesson in her story is having a hyper specific audience in mind to serve. She was crystal clear about who she wanted to represent and speak to. I'd kind of accidentally stumbled upon this gold mine because I was so disappointed that there weren't more resources available online for kind of like the beginner backyard enthusiast. And I was also kind of disappointed that there weren't a lot of females out there. Like there were some females in the competition barbecue world, but there really weren't in like the educational forums or anywhere online that were teaching people how to use smokers. And I think representation really matters. I think that's why food blogging jumped up and then took a dip is because people couldn't see a path to make money, right? Or they couldn't see themselves doing this as a job or as a business. And that's how I felt with the barbecue world. I was like, dude, if people could just see me, who's a normal mom of three kids, but just loves to cook things on a smoker, like maybe that'll inspire more people to do it too, right? And I just felt like there was kind of this this hole in the online educational space where people like me weren't really represented. Susie dug in to be what she most wanted to see in the world with a full-on plan for building a blog that made her money. No messing around or testing the waters or dipping her toes in with a someday maybe view of making money. She had all the aims of building a blogging. I believe the word empire was used a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you got to think big and dream big for things like this to happen. I think the universe listens. So the first year that I started the website, I just had so much. I call it my year of blind enthusiasm. Like I just was so in love with this idea of creating recipes for the backyard barbecue enthusiast. And I was feeling pretty confident that 
that was something I was good at, right? Like I was good at creating recipes that people liked and that people could recreate and have success within their own home. And as much as that ties into like food blogging, it very much ties into the barbecue community. All right. When we come back from a break, we answer these questions. How did the first year go for Susie and Hey Grill Hey? What did she do specifically? When do you hit a wall as a blogger? How well do food bloggers do as an industry financially? We dive in deeper with the Bullocks than we ever have on our show. Stick around. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code freelance to save $400 hydro.com promo code freelance or just click the link in our show description welcome to hey grill hey i'm Susie bullock and today i'm teaching you how to make homemade teriyaki beef jerky let's get started So I started with the end in mind um, because when I got fired, we really missed that supplemental income, right? And so I thought, okay, if I'm going to break into food blogging, how can I do that and make money? Because I loved it and I was passionate about it, but like we literally needed the money. <laughs> so I, before I even started my website, when I was researching how to start your own food blog. I think the first thing that I ever searched was, how can you make money food blogging? What I saw in her was she reached out and asked for help. 
right? So she made connections. The first connection she made, so she had got a spot to go on local TV to cook on a segment here. Um, Because I emailed every TV station producer. (laughs) Like a crazy person, I emailed all of them and said, hey, I write about barbecue. I would love to come on your show. (laughs) And one of them picked me up. So I went into this conversation imagining that the first year for a blogger is a dogfight, a struggle. You write and write and write and write. You optimize your site so Google and other search engines index it and hopefully assign it some level of credibility. Then you finally break through at some point. Probably not during that first year. Susie and Todd open my eyes. All those things are true. You do write thousands upon thousands of words of content and you have to build your base, find your voice, all of that. But in Susie's case, you also produce a lot of videos. And if you really want to make big things happen, you can't live online only. And so I started with monetization in my mind from day one. Um, And it took several, like that first TV appearance was awesome. The second month, I got an offer for $500 to use somebody's product in a recipe on TV. And Susie didn't go into that TV appearance alone. Once she landed it, because of her friendly, affable nature, she reached out to a Facebook group she was a member of to see if one of the other local food bloggers wanted to join her. An innocent invitation solely to help another colleague enjoy some PR as well. And And I didn't know her. Yeah, we didn't know her. And so she lived in the same city as us, which is just like a half hour south of the main Salt Lake City area where the news station was. She took her um, down to the news station and let her be a part of that. And because of that, at the next big food conference, which was your first big conference, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This blogger invited her to stay at the Airbnb for the whole weekend with, and it turns out that it was, a lot of them were part of the 1%, right? Yeah. So she instantly made these connections there there were resources for her to ask questions and to be mentored a little bit which was awesome so networking was huge that's, for sure that's what i saw 100 percent. it was like she'd been invited to a club where all the secret keys to food blogging success were kept and the club opened up their expertise to her that didn't make things easy mind you susie still had to do the work she still had to break through obstacles mentally, emotionally, and even tactically. One of the sayings in our industry is adapt or die. <laughs> and really, I, I would say more than 50% of people that start food blogs don't make it past two years because you have to just really have some grit <laughs> to stick with it when you realize you're putting in a lot more work than financial return that you're getting, right? And kind of for perspective, food bloggers talk a lot. It's really amazing. And it's a very collaborative um, group of people to work with. And so we found that a majority of people that are kind of making it like day to day, they're growing, they hover between 100,000 and 500,000 page views a month, right? She goes on. And that's probably like 50% of people that are sticking with it because they're making enough each month to justify the effort that they're putting in. And then there's probably another 49% that are hovering between 500,000 and a million page views a month. And those guys are making good money. Like that's good money. Um, And then there's the one, like the 1% that's a million plus page views a month. And those are the people that are making actual bank. 
that are like the multiple six figures a month, right? And then there's like the 0.1% that's like 10 million page views or more a month. And there's like one hand, you could count them on one hand. You know what I mean? Um, In the world of food blogging. And so there's kind of like these tiers. And if you can break into one of these tiers, then you're like, you can feel like you can breathe a little bit. So year one is hard for bloggers wanting to build a true enterprise, let alone an empire. You're building everything from scratch, tweaking, creating content, engaging your audience, everything all at once. But it was year number two that was the soul crusher for Susie. (laughs) I think I quit like four times that year. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you kind of just hit periods of like, oh, this is exhausting. And you kind of just burn out. And so I would go like three or four weeks without posting a recipe. And I was like, nobody cares anyway. Nobody's reading it. Like nobody cares. And then I would get a message from a friend or I would see somebody share one of my recipes on a group that I'm a part of on Facebook or something. And it would kind of reignite that fire and and force me back into the kitchen and behind the camera and behind the computer. Um, So there were external motivators for sure. (laughs) But a lot of the internal motivation was like, it it was thin that year. We did call it my jobby because I kind of joked about it. Like we did make money, but it was not like real substantial cash by any means. Like we took losses on our taxes for the first two years. (laughs) It seems like the second year for most bloggers is the hustle year where you're not really making a, you're making some money and it's just grow. You're just trying to create content, right? It's the grind, the grind year. Um, but what I saw that year was, um, a very creative um, person coming to be so that she didn't know she was creative, um, but it was coming out and I saw it and I got to partake of the goodness of that. So, but she was coming up with recipes that were like becoming what quickly became in the barbecue community, like talking points. Well, I think you can kind of overcome the stress of starting new because you're so excited about it. Right. And you still see like the potential and your message is so clear and you feel like you've been called, like there's a need to do this thing for whatever reason. Um, there's this compelling call to, I think most creative entrepreneurs, like I need to do this. And so for me, like that really carried me through that first few months of things being difficult and things being overwhelming, they were kind of just like, this is like a necessary evil to get where I want to go. Um, but yeah, it was the second year of like, okay, so I got over the things and I've, I've done the stuff and I've continued to share like, but where are the results? (laughs) Like, where's the return on all of this investment that I'm putting in financially and mentally and emotionally? Um, and that was, that was tough to stick through. The hustle year, the grind year, that's year two, not year one. So if you're still in year one, keep grinding because here's what it took to pay off for Susie and Todd Bullock. When I was reading these things about how to monetize and how to make money, like Todd said, I was showing him these income statements from other bloggers who were ranging in the twenty to $30,000 a month range. And I was like, dude, these people that are making this money are doing it as a husband and wife team. Like their husbands have left their jobs. And he's like, I'm never leaving my job to run a food blog with you. But I saw those numbers and I told him, I was like, we're going to be making that much money. It's possible. If it's possible for any, like those people, it's possible for me. 
And so I just had a very clear vision in my head from the very beginning that this would, through whatever methods necessary or required during the process, would end up with us being at that point. So <laughs> the moment it switched in my head was we, it was in March of 2017 17. when our, we'd had, a, we'd been making videos and a few of them had done well. We had one that had breached a million views on Facebook and had brought some traffic to the website. Um, but in March of 2017, we had this, and we didn't plan it. We didn't know this video would go viral. It was so. Dude, it never dies. Yeah, I tell you what, that is the gift that keeps on giving. That March 2017 video was one on making jerky with Dr. Pepper as a secret ingredient. Maybe you've heard about it or even used that recipe without knowing Susie led the charge on it. The thing is, viral videos aren't something you can plan on or force, but it happened for them with that one and it changed everything. When we come back from our final break, you're going to hear more about their thinking on viral videos, how their revenue streams break down, and the secret truth about blog readers that you need to know. Hey guys, welcome to Hey Grill Hey. I'm Susie Bullock, and today we are back with another awesome recipe. I'm teaching you my absolute favorite marinade for grilled flank steak. Let's get started. So within, we put it up on a Thursday morning and yeah. by the next morning, within 24 hours, it had reached a million. And then by the end of the weekend, it, it broke 5 million and then it just kept going. And then, so the ad, so it was a very, so Facebook videos were a, an advertisement for people to click through clickbait, right? To click through onto our website where we make the ad revenue. So when that ad revenue check came in, in May or June, um, that check more than replaced my monthly income. Um, so that's when my mind shifted. Susie had become a name. She doubled down on the videos. With regularity, she'd hit on a recipe that really resonated with her audience. Every couple months during 2017, a video would go bonkers. And Susie kind of predicted this would happen just like it did. Well, on New Year's Eve of 2016, she told me that this is the year I'm going to quit my job. And I think our January ad revenue payment was like $252 or something. And I'm like, yeah, it just it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. So at this point, maybe you're thinking, yeah, YouTube videos are great for exposure. I should probably get going with posting videos. They're more to uh, promote my name and my content. Well, here's the zinger. These videos we're talking about were entirely on Facebook, not YouTube. They're on YouTube now, don't get me wrong, but that's not how this all got energized to begin with. No, we're not making YouTube ad dollars. We still make very little YouTube yeah. ad dollars. A majority of our it. ad revenue comes from our website. And him quitting his job, like it was something that we joked about it, but it wasn't necessarily like the actual plan. <laughs> And, uh, really, um, just launching, we had, so we had, I think we had like a viral, um, every single month in 2017. Uh, and it really just helped sustain this growth that we were experiencing. But I think without that 
kind of, and you can't predict a viral, right? Like you can't plan on something just being so wildly popular. Like it kind of just is. Did I want to grow? Yes. Did I want to build this into a business? Yes. Did I want to monetize this? Yes. Um, But the growth rate at which it happened was not something that I had planned on or projected or could have even foreseen. Uh, But we were luckily Todd, as much as he says that he was like skeptical and conservative, um, he was very quick to jump on and, and he edited all of the, he taught himself how to edit videos so that he could edit these videos that I was shooting for Facebook. And there were many late night hustles up till two in the morning, finishing videos, um, to get them up and ready to post the next day. So it, it definitely turned into a, a big hustle really quickly when we, we saw that there was potential and that we would be stupid to not tap into it. Today, the way the Bullocks make their money is like this. Ad revenue was somewhere between 50 and 60% of our income. Sponsorship or endorsement revenue was somewhere in the area of 15 to 20. Grill Squad was... Which is our membership platform. Grill Squad, our membership platform was 10 to 15%. And then the last 5 to 10%, somewhere in there, was affiliate income and appearances oh yeah appearances i'm trying to think what else there is anyway there's and then when this tiny little sliver was product (laughs) yeah product sets (laughs) if you're surprised about how those numbers break down consider that the bullocks only launched their own line of products at the end of 2018 but there's also this little gem from Susie. really interesting thing about um blog readers though is they're very very accustomed to getting things for free um and that that's just like what it is right they're not coming to your website to buy they're coming to your website to figure out how to grill a steak um and so what we're doing in terms of building out the product and even the subscription site that we have is pretty unusual in the blogging community um, for food bloggers. It's not unheard of. And there are definitely people that are doing it and that are starting to do it successfully. But we're kind of a part of this adapt or die mentality where this is a shift we're intentionally taking to create more diversity in our income streams. And so we're, we have to train our readers to also be buyers. We don't want them to just be consumers of our content. We want them to be consumers of our product. But when it comes to food blogging, um, a majority of the top food bloggers are making, wow, I think we're in the 60-ish percent, but a majority of them are making 80 to 90% of their money from ad revenue. And it's good when it's good, like multiple seven figures good when it's good. Ads as a primary revenue driver are dangerous, of course. Susie knows this. Todd, too. An algorithm or policy change by Google could undermine a lot of hard work. So our goal right now is to grow our base out instead of up. Like, would we like to increase our page views and increase our ad revenue? Absolutely. That would be fantastic. We'd be dumb not to pursue that avenue when the money is good, right? Um, However, we want more opportunities to generate income from multiple revenue streams and preferably revenue streams that we own. So we're not reliant on a social media platform. We're not reliant on Google. We're really relying on our email list of people that have willingly given us their emails. We're really relying heavily on um, a subscription platform that we have built and integrated into our website that we own and we control. 
The check that they deposited from that massive exposure exceeded Todd's monthly income from his day job. That was when he finally started to realize that Susie's optimism wasn't unfounded. That's when he probably started to realize that he would someday join her and turn Hey Grill Hay into a true family business. It wasn't an easy decision to leave my, you know, $90,000 a year comfortable nine to five job for this at all. It was a very stressful and hard decision for me to make. Um, yeah. The main thing up front was I was going to be the lead parent. Like she was, we were going to take away field trips and doctor's appointments and running kids to friends' houses. And laundry and, and dishes. And laundry and dishes. Because I'm so bad at those. <laughs> to an extent, I think I've taken that on pretty well. Like to the best I could, I can. Like I, I, I was, that was my main thing. I was going to help where I could, but my main thing was focus on the kids, um, make sure their schedules are lined up. I'm getting them to piano lessons and to drama rehearsals and to different things, and I'm kind of managing the household now, like 75 percent, while she um, takes this huge responsibility of growing this company on. So that was kind of how it started. And I think it's leveled back out. We're probably about 50 percent each. Yeah. On, on household duties now, but I pu- I'm putting a lot more into the company than I thought we would initially. So They've had their view of how you define a career turned upside down. They'll surpass a million dollars in revenue this year. They've already achieved hundreds of thousands of revenues per year. All this from an internet business that centers on Susie's ability to generate and promote unique barbecue recipes um last year we ended multiple six figures this were this year we're projecting seven the business that we're in didn't even exist when we were kids or when we were in college it was like doctor lawyer botanist biologist like you were like in the sciences or this just wasn't a career path we both grew up with the expectation you grow up you graduate high school you get good grades you go to college that's it. Like that, that was the expectation, right? And five years ago, that was the expectation that we would have passed on to our children as well. Um, now it is so different. It's so wildly different. And so we want to give them the option. If they want to go to college because they have a specific dream career that requires a college education, we will absolutely support them 100%. If they want to go into a trade career and work with their hands and they need a specific certification, we will support them in that. If they want to launch their own business and grow in the process, we'll support them in that. It's very much less of a black and white than it would have been five years ago. Yep, definitely. In case you're wondering, to put a perfect bow on this story, I have to tell you this. Susie and Todd are a perfect match and have been since day one. They bring out the best in each other. This isn't a husband and wife business where there's a healthy amount of debate. They love working together and what it's done for their relationship. I uh I just want to share this real quick. Sorry, there the last. So I worked for a really amazing company with amazing people. The owners of the company were great. The officers of the company were great. Everyone in my office was amazing. But there were times mid afternoon where like, I mean, I it's just like I just wanted to just walk away. You know, like I just I hated it. It was so boring. Like I've always been like a creative musician, artist type person. And here I am sitting in the stupid office, looking at spreadsheets and QuickBooks and all this crap. And I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. So like I made a complete 180 shift because I thought that's what was necessary. That was honorable for me to be suffering through that to provide for my family. Right. So 
I, I, I'm extremely grateful for what Susie's built so I can be here and be a part of it because in a way she's kind of saved my life. She's, she's helped me to figure out who I am and, and how I can be my best person. And, and it's just been such an amazing transition for me. So I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) Yeah. We work really well together and we, we've, we knew when we were dating, we had something special. That's why we wanted to get married. Right. So, and it's just translated into this, it's kind of like a, a harmonious relationship and running this thing. It's just been amazing. And that's the story of Susie and Todd Bullock and their business, Hey Grill Hey, a healthy, rapidly evolving success story and the perfect representation of a freelancer turned founder. We hope you enjoyed this one. Coming up next week, we move westward from the Wasatch Front to the palm trees of Southern California with the story of the founder of The Art of Charm, A.J. Harbinger. For all of us at Millo, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Freelance to Founder, a proud member of the Podglomerate Network. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.